Folks, if you're liking what you're getting from 30MPC, the number one way you can support us is by subscribing to our newsletter. Every week, you only get two emails. On Monday, you get a content roll-up of everything that dropped last week. And on Fridays, I pick one topic and I personally write a deep dive on things like how to cold call, how to run a discovery call, or even how to hire an AE. So if you're liking what you're getting here, take two seconds, go to the show notes. You'll see a button to subscribe to our newsletter, or you can go to 30mpc.com backslash newsletter and do it there. We'll catch you soon. Cheers. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this episode of 30 Minutes to President's Club. My name is Armand Froke. I'm here with my co-host, Nick Sigelski, and today we have a friend of the previous guest, Florine at Lupio, and he is now a killer AE over at Salesforce. Nick, why should people listen to the man Zach Farber? This episode made me really happy because we talk to a lot of guests who do their own demos, but Zach doesn't. He has a team of solutions consultants and he sells an entire suite of things. And so we can't know everything about everything. So this one was really helpful in terms of like, how do you prep a solutions consultant? How do you quarterback a two or three hour demo? And how you do magic sometimes with your prospects? Three, two, one. I know nothing about everything. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. If you get an email and the action required on that email is going to take you less than two minutes to do, do it on the spot. It's not worth adding it to your to-do list, having to look at the item, remember what you need to do. That's going to take you more than two minutes anyway. So do it on the spot, get it off your plate. Now we documented our best templates and tips to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang. And you can get that documentation for free at the link in the show notes. Today's prospecting tip is brought to you by Woodpecker. When you're sending a sales email, you generally want to avoid putting punctuation in the subject line. If you've got an exclamation point, it makes it seem like you're shouting at them. Look at this amazing offer. And a question mark just smells salesy. So avoid punctuation. Now, if you want to steal my full sales cadence from my friends at Woodpecker, there's a link in the show notes for you to go get it and try it for free. Gong's going to help you run the five-minute drill at the end of all of your calls today. At the end of a call, pressure test the prospect with three questions. Number one, do you want to buy? If the answer is no, why set a next step at all? Number two, when do you want to buy? If it's tomorrow, we got to move fast. Number three, how do you buy? Based on the first two answers, I can now adequately decide if and how I set a next step. And this was stolen from the Gong 30 MPC 90 Minute Masterclass, and you can steal it too in the show notes. Today's deal acceleration cheat code is brought to you by Pipedrive, which is a CRM built by sellers for sellers. The best way to drive your pipeline forward is to every single day, pull up a list of all of your open opportunities and look at each opportunity by stage and think, what can I do today that will increase my likelihood of winning this deal? That's how you keep your ops moving forward in between meetings that you have on the calendar. Now we documented five cheat codes that can help you cut your sales cycle in half with Pipedrive. There's a link in the show notes to steal them. Today's show is brought to you by Exactly Forecasting, which is a flexible sales forecasting solution that uses AI and data to help you call an accurate sales forecast. Gartner says over half of sales leaders don't have high confidence in their forecast. One way we recommend to improve your forecast is to align as a team on explicit attributes that must be true in order to deem a deal forecastable. That way your forecast will get clearer and the team will know where to focus efforts. We put together a forecasting 101 guide with our friends at Exactly. Get it for free in the show notes. All right, Zach, welcome to the show. We start every single episode with your top three actionable takeaways. So let's get your three. All right. Hey, guys. So 
my first takeaway is become friends with your prospects. Now, I'm not saying become best friends with them, but the more genuine a relationship feels, the less transactional a deal feels, and the more open your prospects are going to be with you. One way I try to do this is if I get a bunch of questions over email from a prospect, I will respond to every question with an individual video, just full screen, my face answering their questions. A, it's going to get my face in front of them more than my competition's face. And I'm going to give them just a, gen- like a real genuine response that will resonate with them a little bit more than just a, a typed out sentence. Beautiful. What's number two, Zach? Number two, take advantage of your Zoom background. One of the biggest advantages of, of working from home the last year and a half is that you can show your personality without having to say very much. It allows you to get people to get more curious about you, but also shows that you aren't just a person behind a screen trying to sell them something. You're an interesting person that they probably want to get to know a little bit better. I do this with interesting pictures that I put up on my wall, but it's not just pictures and art that are going to make your Zoom background look cool. If your prospect's a Beatles fan, wear a Beatles t-shirt. You and your prospect both like dogs, get your dogs sleeping on the couch behind you, or even bring them on camera and introduce them. Take advantage of the fact that you can, you're can you at home. You can show them a little bit about you and get them a little more curious about you. Very cool. Round us out, Zach. What's number three? Number three is incorporate your hobbies into prospecting. Now, people like seeing what other people are passionate about. I do this with magic. I'm a big geek. I've been doing magic for 20 years. I post magic tricks on LinkedIn that I think will resonate with others. And I try to tie a sales tactic into it, but it can be done on calls. It can be done in emails, anywhere. And you don't need to know how to do magic to incorporate your hobbies into prospecting. Just talking about something that you're interested in can go a long way. Art, music, beer, passion really shines through. People respect it. People like it. It makes you seem real, makes you seem genuine, and will really help you uh, build a relationship with someone. So Zach, I'm curious because at Salesforce, my understanding is typically you're working with a named account base, or you're typically working with an existing book of customers, as well as net new business. How do I break this tension of this rep is trying to sell me because, you know, the sales rep, Salesforce rep comes knocking on your door. They're like, all right, I know they're going to try to sell me something. What are some ways with my existing customers that I can make it feel like I'm not trying to sell them in every single interaction that I have with them? A- don't try to sell them something when you're talking to them. You're calling them just to introduce yourself, say, hey, I, I am I am a real person. I am your main point of contact. I want to make sure that you're getting the most value and that I'm here to support you as you grow. Not trying to sell, especially on those first couple of calls, you're not trying to sell them anything, but also using some social touches just to put yourself out there, to put you on their radar, whether it's like posting videos, which I do a lot of, liking their content. I'll sometimes just pop in and just view a couple of people's profiles every couple of days, just so they get that notification. They have that familiarity with me. But the main thing is don't try to sell them something on those first couple of calls. You're just reaching out to introduce yourself and just and, you know, build a relationship, potentially a friendship, like I mentioned. <laughs> so I'm curious in those first five minutes of any call, whether it's a demo request or someone new that you're meeting, Oftentimes, reps revert to basic things like how's the weather and all this nonsense. And the prospects are like, okay, let's get on with this thing. What are some things that I can do differently in those first five minutes of the call to separate myself from some of the noise? So first thing is do a little research before the call, whether they're an existing customer or net new that you're reaching out to. I'd kind of go as deep as possible. So there's LinkedIn, which is amazing, but there's there's Twitter, there's Instagram. Not that many people have private profiles. You can actually see what they what they like. And I don't think it's weird to actually say that right off the bat. I'll sometimes say, I'm like, hey, I got to ask, I was on your Twitter and I noticed you did this. That's crazy. And just like, and then let them talk about it. 
people love to talk about not only themselves, but things that they're like that they're interested in, right? So if you bring it up, people tend to respect that you did like a, a deep lurk as long as you kind of bring it up in not a creepy way. I called it a lurk, which is a little counterintuitive there, but you know what I mean. I'm curious, Zach, a little bit about, okay, so like, yes, we've kicked off the meeting. We just talked about Armand's Corgi for 10 minutes. It was a great conversation. We're both dog lovers. And like, eventually we have to get into the meat of the meeting where I'm providing some value or doing something that makes this person be like, all right, I want to meet with this guy again. Can you talk about how you run like those initial meetings where it's like, all right, we know we're going to have more, but we got to do something here. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll always have some sort of agenda, unless it's a cold call, like they'll know the agenda going in, which is like intros. If, if we're talking Salesforce, like how Salesforce can fit into the business. I try to cap like those intros is where I'll, I'll have that small talk. I try to cap it at no more than five minutes. And I will, I will end it after going for a couple of minutes, especially if things are going really well, end it right in the middle. Be like, Hey, this is awesome. I want to make sure we have enough time to talk about, you know, what we came on this call for. Cause two things happen there. One, they, will respect the fact that you're sticking to your agenda and making the best of their time. But also you just had this great conversation that you just ended. They're going to want to talk to you again. So you're kind of getting two things. You're getting like their respect out of it because you're respecting them, but they will likely you know, want to know more. If you had a good conversation, you just cut it short. Think about anyone you've met who you're like talking like, oh, I got to go, but let's continue this. You want to talk to them again, right? Yeah, I wish I could feel that way about Armand, but um, <laughs> sorry, that's cruel of me. So, okay, I want to I want to talk about that like pre meeting agenda that you're sharing. You're sending that. I'm assuming like a couple of days in advance. What's in that agenda? Does it just say intros and here's what I want to talk about, or can you talk me through the pieces of that? Yeah, well, usually if I'm sending an agenda, that's after I've had some sort of touch point. Whether it was like we were emailing, we were chatting on LinkedIn. I'm like, all right, let's set up a 15 minute call to actually you know talk about this in, in a little more detail. I'll usually send it with my calendar invite. So I'll send the calendar invite over and I'll be like, hey, Nick, you know, as discussed, here's what we're going to chat about today. Intros, you know, how Salesforce can fit into the business, your current challenges, next steps. And I'll always include next steps because again, you want to, that's five minutes at the beginning or just as important as those five minutes at the end. So you're setting this pre-meeting agenda. You have your intro, where Salesforce can fit into the business and next steps. Can you tell us now you've gotten on that call, how do you actually go about setting an agenda for that call? When we start the call, I, I'll just say, that, hey, thanks for hopping on. Just before we start, I just want to confirm that we're on the same page. We're going to chat intros, hop into how Salesforce can fit into the business, challenges, uh, and next steps. Am I missing anything? Or is there anything you want to add to that? Always give them the opportunity because sometimes they'll jump in and be like, I don't want to talk about my challenges. I just, all I want to know is X. I'm like, cool, let's just hop right into that. I let them dictate the agenda. Keep it as loose as possible. Like you can cover it in any order. Most people are cool with starting with intros, but let them sort of, either confirm or deny kind of what, what you're going to chat about. Oh, you just made me so happy when you said, cool, let's get right to that. Because I can't tell you the number of salespeople who like, whether it's a call or a demo, the prospect says, hey, I really want to make sure I get X out of this call. And then they like push that thing to the end of the meeting or they, they show that feature in the demo is like the eighth thing that they've shown. And if the customer says they want to see something, you get to it right away because then they're like, all right, this guy's tracking, like he's listening to what I'm saying. But most people, they want to follow that prescribed order and go through things. And then also the idea, like if they can, like let them disagree with your agenda, because if yeah. you let them disagree, like that means they're involved. You've said this um, phrase, how Salesforce can fit into your business a couple times. And I'm assuming that's sort of like, the launch pad for the entire discovery process for you? Because, I mean, you have a bag of a lot of different things that you can sell. Can you talk right. about how you tee that up and how that like drives the whole conversation? Yeah. So 
I want that to be very general because most people don't understand, like don't know how much Salesforce can do. Like most people, if you say, hey, you know what Salesforce is? For people who do, they say, yeah, it's a CRM, but it's so much more than a CRM. So I'll ask that question if they get, and then usually they'll maybe ask me to clarify a little bit. And I'll be like, don't worry about the Salesforce aspect of it. Like, tell me about your business. And it's like, let's get into that a little bit so that I can understand. I'm like, I'm like there's, there's no end to what's sort of possible, but the more I understand about you, the more I'll be able to prescribe something that'll be most beneficial. So that's actually an intentionally vague question, which depending on what you sell, could obviously tweak that a little bit to maybe the specific aspect of a business that you're helping you know, bring value to. But I, I want to be vague there so that they go on a tangent because- there's hundreds of products that they could benefit from at Salesforce. I don't want them to only think like, okay, well, my pipeline looks like this and, and this is what I want it to look like. That's great information for me, but I want to know more than that because there's so much more that I can help with. I want to dig in on this a lot because you have marketing cloud that's sold to marketers. You have CRM that's sold to salespeople. You got marketing cloud, CRM, commerce cloud, Einstein. Now you have Slack and all these different things. So they start telling you about their business where do you take discovery from there knowing you have 100 different products? Like, how do you like come away with three, four, five things that you know are going to be a fit for this customer? So this all comes in the benefit of, of team selling. So when I'm having this initial conversation, it's usually just me, maybe one or two other people from the other end. I'm not saying very much on these calls. Like I'm just letting them talk and I'll ask more questions just to dig in and dig in and dig in. If I sometimes will record these calls if the, if the prospect's comfortable with it so that I can take it back and then kind of analyze it, but also loop in the other members of my team who will co-sell with me. So we have solutions engineers and we have solutions engineers for each aspect of, of Salesforce. Like you mentioned marketing cloud, you mentioned commerce cloud, Einstein. There's experts on each one of those. So once I get, I just want to get the initial high level overview, then I'll have an internal meeting with some of the experts from my team to dig in like, hey, based on this conversation, what do you think would be most beneficial for them. And then we'll tee up another call and I'll bring in some other people from our end to dig in further into specific aspects of our first conversation. So it's really, I, I think of myself as I'm quarterbacking all these conversations. I'm just, I want to make sure all of the right people are in the right room at the right time so that they all get the most value from each other. Can we pick like a deal as an example? And could you give us a sense of like, hey, what did we get from the discovery call? And then what did you discuss in the team meeting so we can make this a little bit real? Well, it's kind of interesting. Like, I'm thinking if you sat down with Nick, the VP of sales for 30 minutes to President's Club, some of the stuff that you just talked about, like we use Slack for our team to like collaborate and prepare to launch shows. And I do use a spreadsheet to keep track of all of my sponsor sales. And we're trying to launch our newsletter and like get that out to people. And so like if you sat down with me, like we could use help in all of those areas. I'm sure you could get us to a better plan of Slack that would help me. So like if I just told you that, like we're in a discovery call now, like what the heck would you ask me next? Because you could take it any of those three directions and sure you're going to go back with your team and figure out how you can help me the most. But like when I say I've got those three sort of things, how do you choose which direction you're going to take the conversation? Because you could ask me more about any of those things. Yeah. So I I'd, honestly, I probably take those three. I'm like, all right, Nick, you mentioned you're, you're using spreadsheets to track your sponsors, you're using Slack to collaborate to get these episodes out. And of those two, like what's most important? What when, when you think of those two things, what's most important? What would you put as number one? What would you put as number two? So let I let the prospect sort of dictate because sometimes they're gonna be like ten things. Like we could be talking for an hour, and they're giving me a, a, a ton of challenges that they're having. But let's take a step back. Like right now, what's your of those ten? Let's pick three. 
and then go from there. And I like to focus on those to start, but then I have a lot of ammo to continue the conversations like, you know, on our next call. That's a really good point. I guess I lost myself in the, like the, okay, here's all the things that I care about, but you're (laughs) right. Your job as the seller is to help me prioritize and like help me get clarity around what's important. Cause I was just brain dumping on you there. Like, here's all the things I want to do. Right. But I never really thought about what's most important. So Zach, let's say you've gone back to your team. You have three or four products you could potentially sell to Salesforce. And what you've done is like really solid discovery. Then what happens? Are you running three separate demos? Are you running three discovery calls on each of those products and then three more demos? Are you doing one shebang, massive three-hour demo with every product? What do I do next? Yeah, that's a great question. So the the goal here, I mean, our calls tend to be long because it's the solution's pretty complex. So like a discovery call is an hour. I know sometimes people can do it in 30 minutes. Ours tend to be at least an hour. I try to have as many internal meetings as I need to have with the individuals, make sure that they're all aligned on time. So I could bring all of us to the disco and to the demo afterwards. I'd rather somebody be on like an hour and a half, two hour demo than be on three one hour demos and like sent, kind of see the same thing and have the same sort of conversations over and over. We'll get on like a, let's say, let's call it a two hour demo for looking at like three solutions that are really going to impact the business. And back to the agenda, really break out hey, for the first 35 minutes, we're going to show you sales cloud. For the second 35 minutes, we're going to show you marketing cloud. And then for the last 35 minutes, we're going to show you how all of that ties together to you know improve your business. But yeah, to answer your question, definitely, I do not want to have four demos. That's uh, like That sounds like awful to me. I would not want to put anyone else through it. So Zach, you're doing a two-hour demo. You have multiple products in there. When Nick and I were co-founders back in the day, we used to always really think about when should we go up to pitch? And what we tried to do is go after the first couple pitches before sort of the middle of the session, because at the end of the session, everyone was fatigued and no one's paying attention anymore. But if you go right at the beginning, people's expectations aren't set. And so we sort of wanted a couple crappy pitches to go up first, and then we wanted to knock it out of the park. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, your entire team is pitching the entire way. And so how do you think about which products you should show first, middle, and last in that demo? Yeah, so it definitely depends on who I'm speaking to. But if I know somebody doesn't have like a CRM at all, for example, and that's their number one priority, and then marketing, I mean, they're both very important, but marketing is, they maybe they weren't on the initial call, they're joining for this demo. I want to go in order of what's top of mind for them. And to make sure it goes smoothly, I've been talking about a lot of internal meetings. Like in, I think in sales, your internal relationships are just as important as your external relationships. So you want to, I want to make sure I'm on the same page with everyone on my team who's going to be on a call with me. So if I have a solutions engineer, another AE, we will kind of have like a, like a practice run, right? We'll kind of go through, I'm like, all right, I'm going to say this, then I'm going to hand it off to you. You can jump right into your demo. I'll have a slide ready to be like, hey, demo with Nick. And then Nick will jump in. So I want it to be very clear with what they're watching so they know exactly what's happening. But we practiced a little bit. We got our transition set up and we're good to go. And now I've worked with my team a while. So we could we don't necessarily have to have like a super long prep session before, but we'll, I'll always do a bit of a run through to make sure we're on the same page so that it goes smoothly. So Zach, let's say that we have all of our transitions set up. You have your nice slide that says, all right, next up is Nick. My guess is you're not only being the transition man saying, all right, here's the next presentation and the next presentation. So in those 30, 40 minute demos as an AE, what are you doing to remain active in the sales process? I always will sprinkle in some questions. So if someone's talking about how challenging working in a spreadsheet is, if we're going back, Nick, to what you were saying, I'll sometimes I'll interject. I always try to interject a little because again, I want my face to be the face that they know they're talking to a bunch of other companies, right? So I want them to always know like Zach kept chiming in. He's making sure this is running smoothly. Zach is making sure that 
they're focusing on the right thing. So I'm getting the most value. So someone talks about a spreadsheet, I'll hop in and be like, hey, just so I understand, like how long is that taking you? If you have to estimate minutes, hours, how long is that taking you? They'll answer I'm like, awesome, cool. And then I'll hand it back off to the my SE to continue. But I'll always try to get, I'll try to dig out some ROI as the, the SE's putting on this amazing show. I'll try to dig just into some ROI as they're presenting. Well, it's interesting, Zach. Like I used to play a really similar role where I had multiple solutions consultants and I was the guy sort of quarterbacking this, this, this orchestra. I'm the conductor. And one of the things you have to think about is when you have your SC showing a demo, they've got a lot on their mind. Like they're sharing content. They're making sure their Slack doesn't like show notifications when they're trying to share their screen. They're like managing the audio and all the people in the room. Like there's a lot of pressure on the person showing the demo. And when you interject or tie what somebody just showed back to what was in the notes, it might seem really simple, but you're actually easing a lot of the pressure off that person, like letting them take a breath and get a sip of water. And that's really important because if you just like show up and say, here's Armand, he's the SC, he's going to show the demo, put yourself on mute and then do email for the next two hours. Like the person's going to bomb. But when you say, and Hey guys, one thing to note is I know Armand just showed X feature. This actually might help with what Dave mentioned in the discovery call. You're tying back. Like your job is to tie. Here's what we're showing you to here's what you told me. And here's how we help while also selling as a team. Exactly. Exactly. And, and tying back to what you spoke about earlier, we talked about the agenda. And if they have something that's really important to them, during the demo that's coming up, stop and be like, hey, Nick, you mentioned on our call last week that this was super, super important to you. You're going to want to hone in here because th- this is going to cover exactly what you mentioned you were having a challenge with right now. If somebody comes on and they're bringing up things that have never been, like we've done a few hours of discovery and then we're getting ready for this demo. And then somebody comes on with like something completely out of left field. The way I would approach it is I, I would speak to that, but I would also, again, like set expectations, be like, all right, so we custom made this demo based on conversations we had with Nick and Armand. We were going to cover X, Y, and Z today. Dave, so you mentioned super important. Is that is Would you prefer to see that? Because we can set up a separate call and dive just into that. But I want to make sure we cover what we've you know, discussed with Nick and Armand for the last couple of days. Is that okay? Very rarely will somebody be like, no, I want you to scrap all the work you were doing with my team and only show me this. Because... Really, if, if it's the like the CEO on the call, the CEO doesn't always know the challenges that his team's experiencing. A lot of the discovery, all of the information that's going to go into the demo is coming from the team, not directly from the CEO, depending on the company size. So if you kind of level set and set the expectation there, you can help sort of set your solutions consultant on the right track so that you're not setting them up to show a bunch of stuff that doesn't matter. On that note, I'm curious, Zach, like, are, what are you doing to prep your SC effectively so that they know all the context and the main high points to hit on in your discovery call? No, that's a great question. So we always, I always have a share document with my SE where after a disco, my disco before they run theirs, I got all my notes in there. And then we have a call where we can talk about it a little deeper. I'll likely record the call when the prospect's okay with it as well. So they have the, the, the video context and then they have my notes. They will then go into the discovery call and they'll take some additional notes as they go. But we'll always have like a, at least a 15 minute meeting before we get on a call together so that they can clarify anything from my notes, make sure that they understand what they're walking into so that they're not a asking them the same questions that I asked or getting them to repeat themselves, just dig in a little bit deeper. And I will tee up the call that way. I said, I say, you know, I'm, I'm a generalist when it comes to, to the products. And I, I want to make sure I understand your business and where your challenges are. I'm going to bring in an expert to 
get a little more technical and take a much deeper dive on our follow-up call. So that way we're both set up to kind of cover what we need to cover to show them the most value on that demo. So Zach, let's say we've done all of our prep properly. We've gone through the demo. We haven't fatigued them with too much software and it's gone really, really well. Going full circle to building relationships with your prospects, making sure you have a good champion relationship. So you're done. That call ends. What does follow-up look like after that call? Yeah, great question. So I like to send individual emails to stakeholders and they're A, a lot more likely to respond. The bystander effect is a very real thing. You send an email to group of 10, maybe you'll get somebody being, thanks. You send it an individual email, they'll be like, hey, Zach, that was great. Or Zach, that was good, but there's one part that I was a little confused about. You'll just get a little more information when you send it to individual people. I also like to throw in a video and you could use the same video for each person. It doesn't you're, address the company like, hey, 30 minutes of President's Club team really enjoyed going through that demo with you. If you have any questions, do not hesitate to reach out. The video actually doesn't have to be that informative. It's just an additional way to personalize it. And again, your face is in front of them after that demo. So Zach, I'm sending these one-off emails. Sometimes I struggle with what to put in those emails. Sometimes it's like, hey, here are the problems we're going to solve. Sometimes it's, hey, here's what we just demoed. Other times it's a video. And so when you're sending those one-off follow-ups, what's actually going into those emails? I like to start it with mentioning something that it's like casual, non-demo related that we, so like I was talking about the top of the interview about having my dogs in the room, or maybe someone asked me about this stamp collection on the wall. And then from there, I'll touch on a couple, like maybe two or three things that really stood out to them. So if I got a good reaction or they wrote like, oh, wow, yeah, that seems like it would be so helpful. I'll mention those. I'm like, during the demo, you know, this A stood out to you and B stood out to you as ways that can really affect your sales team. Uh, and C stood out to your marketing team as a way to really, you know, automate their processes compared to what they're doing now. And I, I would have also gotten next steps on our call. So I'd be like, looking forward to connecting on Thursday. If there's anything that comes up between then and now, give me a call or email. Looking forward to speaking then. Zach, this is awesome. I really appreciate you coming on the show. We are running out of time and we got to move to the final question, which is, we've talked about a ton of great things that salespeople should be doing. Now let's talk about things they shouldn't be doing. So the last question is, what is one bad habit that you see a lot of salespeople doing that they got to stop doing because it hurts, hurts them more than it helps? This is going to sound a little counterintuitive, but don't worry about being so professional. I think people really get caught up in being like, being super studious and professional. and But the more yourself you are, the more people will want to talk to you. The more professional you are, not to say be unprofessional, but the more just professional you are, you can't, it's harder to connect. And people just aren't going to walk away from that conversation being like, ah, oh, like I liked talking to that person. They'll get the information they need, but you also need them to like talking to you because people do buy from people. It's true. Do not confuse formality with professionalism. Zach, anything you want to plug before we jump off here? No, I mean, follow me on LinkedIn. I try to post uh, some cool magic tricks mixed with sales, tactical sales uh, advice. It's fun, but I try to change up you know, what's, what's showing up in your feed and stand out a little bit. Awesome. Zach, thanks for joining us. Everybody stick around for a 60-second recap coming up soon. This actionable competitive tactic from Clue is the trap question. Steer discovery toward the winning zone. If we're competing with a podcast that has no newsletter or webinar series, we might ask a trap question like, how do you figure out if those podcast listeners are making their way to your mailing list? And when you're in a head-to-head, there's no better way to prepare for your next competitive battle than with our trap questions and battle card templates from our friends at Clue. The link's in the show notes.
Here's my secret to being a sales superhuman. It's auto reminders for everything. If I expect any reply from a prospect, I press command H and superhuman pops it right back into my inbox. If I don't get a reply in two days, that means if you handle an objection, if you suggest times for a meeting, or if you ask for cuts back on red lines, always create a two day reminder task and assume they will not reply. So if you want to follow up on time, every time you can get a free month of superhuman by checking it out in the show notes. Your Zoom Info actionable insight tactic is called Jane's Moving Up. Why? Because that's the email subject line you'll use when you get a real-time notice that your prospect Jane just got promoted. From there in the email, explain how Zoom Info helps rising sales leaders win their first 90 days on the job by highlighting coaching opportunities or supporting a team-wide prospecting push. And you can try out this trigger-based email template for prospect promotion and four other scenarios inspired by Zoom Info's go-to-market plays. Link in the show notes. Your top four takeaways from this episode with Zach Farber include number one, after that big multi-threaded demo where you do two hours of showing software, always lean on your champion and force the invite on their calendar to do a touch point after the meeting. Number two, throughout that demo, always make sure that you are not just sitting there on Facebook. Make sure you're jumping in with questions, trying to quantify ROI, bringing back the discovery into the demo, which brings us to number three. Prior to that call, you want to do at least a 15-minute with your SEs to make sure that they know what happened in discovery and the high points to hit on in the demo. And then lastly, number four, when it's all wrapped up, send individualized recap emails highlighting some of the points that hit home really, really well. All righty, Nick, how can people help us out? If you haven't subscribed to our show, that would make me happy. I like getting subscribers. We'll see you next week on 30 Minutes to Presidents Club. Gong's going to help you run the five-minute drill at the end of all of your calls today. At the end of a call, pressure test the prospect with three questions. Number one, do you want to buy? If the answer is no, why set a next step at all? Number two, when do you want to buy? If it's tomorrow, we got to move fast. Number three, how do you buy? Based on the first two answers, I can now adequately decide if and how I set a next step. And this was stolen from the Gong 30 MPC 90 Minute Masterclass, and you can steal it too in the show notes. Today's show is brought to you by Exactly Forecasting, which is a flexible sales forecasting solution that uses AI and data to help you call an accurate sales forecast. Gartner says over half of sales leaders don't have high confidence in their forecast. One way we recommend to improve your forecast is to align as a team on explicit attributes that must be true in order to deem a deal forecastable. That way your forecast will get clearer and the team will know where to focus efforts. We put together a forecasting 101 guide with our friends at Exactly. Get it for free in the show notes.